Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Melissa C. I'm from New York, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, July 6th, 7 a.m. Eastern Time. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are on page XV, the forward to the second edition, third paragraph, the spark that was to flare, and we'll be reading one paragraph only. Today's readers are, with the 12 steps, France N, the 12 traditions, March E, readers of the text will be Du L um, and Lisa B. Okay, the, oh, and our newcomer greeter will be Claire B., and the host for the second hour will be Nancy P. Okay, the share ID numbers for Sunday, July 5th, was 14922. That's 14922. Okay, the OA preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask France N. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, France. Good morning, Melissa, and good morning, everyone. This is France N. Recovered, um, in compulsive overeater in Lillian, Alabama. Here are the 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. 
Nine, may direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive readers and to practice these principles in all our affairs. I, thank you. Um, I'll pass with that. Thank you so much, France Anne. I will now ask Marge E. to read the 12 Traditions. Good morning, Marge. Good morning, Amy. Thank you. <clears throat> the 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions, every minding us to place principles before personality. Thank you for your service, Amy, and I pass. Thank you so much, Marge A. Okay, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, 
everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. So today, we resume our study of the big book, and we are on page XV. We're in the forward to the second edition, reading the third paragraph, The Spark That Was to Flare. We'll be reading one paragraph only, and I will ask Duell to please begin reading for us. Good morning, Du. Good morning. This is Du Al, Recover Compulsive Overeater, and here's our paragraph. The spark that was to flare into the first AA group was struck at Akron, Ohio in June 1935 during a talk between a New York stockbroker and an Akron physician. Six months earlier, the broker had been relieved of his drink obsession by a sudden spiritual experience. Following a meeting with an alcoholic friend who had been in contact with the Oxford groups of that day, he had also been greatly helped by the late Dr. William D. Silkworth, New York specialist in alcoholism, who is now counted no less than a medical saint by AA members, and whose story of the early days of our society appears in the next pages. From this doctor, the broker. I learned the grave nature of alcoholism. Though he could not accept all the tenets of the Oxford groups, he was convinced of the need for moral inventory, confession of personality defects, restitution to those harm, healthfulness to others, and the necessity of belief and dependence upon God. Again, this is uh, Do Recover Compulsive Overeater from New York. Love this paragraph because it really shows the basis of how the organization was uh, developed. And it was developed by two alcoholics. One was the stockbroker, which was Bill W. And Dr. Bob, of course, who was the physician in Akron. And um, Bill had had stay abstinent and had this spiritual experience at the hospital um, in um 1934 and he had been relieved of his alcoholism from a sudden spiritual experience it meant that it happened one time it happened instantaneous he had this relationship with his higher power he had gone through um through these tenants that we're going to be discussing and you know and he had gotten the solution from ebby thasher who is the alcoholic who was his friend and he was in contact with the Oxford group. So, you know, and it says Oxford groups, plural, not just singular, plural, meaning that um, there was more than one group, right? Um, and how did Bill get, get to this place of recovery? Well, one, he had to know the, the problem. The problem was that he was an alcoholic and that he suffered from the great nature of his illness, which was body and mind. So. He had uh, something that we called uh, a phenomenal craving, yielding uh, alcohol for more of the same, and two, the mental obsession. I think about it, think about it, think about it until I get back into it. So he had to be relieved from that, but how? Well, he accepted the solution, which was given through this action program that was developed by this guy named uh, Frank Buckman in 1931. He was the one who started the Oxford groups. 
And so when he started these Oscar groups, he had a lot of tenants. There were Christian principles that were they were following at that time. So when Bill came around, he said, mm -mm, I can't accept all the tenants. I can't accept all these things that you're giving me. But I hold these six principles true for myself. And that was what he said. He said he was convinced of need for moral inventory, confession, personalities, restitution, harm done others, helpfulness to others, and the necessity and belief and dependence upon God. And that later on developed into 12 steps. But understanding that these were principles. Um, and then, you know, with Dr. Bob, he had the four absolutes, which was developed by uh, Dr. Robert E. Spear. And so this wasn't original stuff that they're learning. This was something, and I'll close it up with this. This is not original stuff that they're learning. This is something that was passed on to them. And they took that and developed it into what we call a Alcoholics Anonymous, and now today, over, uh, Overeaters Anonymous. And today we have a way out out of our addiction through this program of action. And so if we follow the directives that are laid out here, we will have the spiritual awakening or spiritual experience, just like Bill. Freedom from food, freedom from alcoholism, freedom from the mental obsession. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Jew-El, for getting us started. Okay, before I open up the lines for sharing, I want to remind us all that although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day. So if you've shared on Friday or on Monday, um, we ask you to refrain in order that others might share their experience too. So who would like to share this morning? Lisa B., Lisa B. Rick J. Rick J. Ida. Ida, what's the initial of your last? Ida A. Ida A. Who else would like to share? Stacy J. Stacy J. Leanne W. Leanne W. Yes. Great. One more. Kathy M. Kathy M. Great. Thank you, Kathy. Okay. So I'll tell you the lineup. It's Lisa B. Rick J, Ida A, Stacy J, Leanne W, and Kathy M. Okay, good morning, Lisa B. Good morning, Melissa. Thank you so much for your service and for everyone that's here. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina, and I spell my name L-E-S-A, just in case someone wants to reach out to me. I am so excited about this reading. It really brings a smile to my face um, where it says the spark that was to flare. And, you know, when one alcoholic shares with another alcoholic, recovery begins. And the big book tells me that, you know, when one compulsive overeater is sharing with another, recovery begins. We begin where we are right now. There's so much hope here. And then um, when it talks about Dr. Silkworth, oh, 
why? Why is he uh, looked at as a saint for us? I'll tell you why. Um, in the doctor's opinion, Bill writes, it did not satisfy us to be told that uh, we could not control our drinking because, and I'm just going to put my own words in there, because I was screwed up. Like I knew I had issues. <laughs> I could tell I had issues. But that answer did not satisfy why I could not eat like a normal person. Why? Why do I sit down and I'm not able to stop? Or sometimes I can stop and then three days later I'll wake up with this idea, I'm going to binge today. And I'm thinking that I'm coming up with that idea, but I learned that my body is telling me because I'm mandated. That's why he's a medical saint, because he answers the, the question of why. Well, I mean, some of the questions of that I have this allergy of the body. The other reason I have such a smile on my face is because this is the message of depth and weight. It's not someone just saying, you know, go for a walk or get a hobby or learn to be more caring to other people. You know, none of those things work. There, there's actually a plan of action. And, and the spark brings me back to the electrical environment, you know, the spiritual electrical environment that I have with other fellows, I wasn't aware that that was a spiritual connection at first, but that's what's happened. It's, it's just, um, it's so wonderful. And I, I go back to that time when I wasn't able to stop eating peanut butter toast and I had my mother come over to my apartment and she looked at me in the eye and she said, you're acting with food the same way your brother behaves with cocaine. And I knew at that time my brother was getting into 12-step programs and this little light went off in my head. Wow, maybe this is an illness just like that. And I'm so grateful to come into a place, uh, a healthy OA meeting <clears throat> where I hear the true solution, you know, not just a little bit of abstinence here and there is as good as it's going to get, or abstinence is the solution. You know, there's a, a bigger solution, a spiritual awakening, a personality solution, a personality change that will bring that electrical charge inside of me. So with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Lisa B. Okay, next up is Rick J. And Rick will be followed by Ida A. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, Melissa. Good to hear you this morning. Uh, my name is Rick Jay. I am a, um, a compulsive overeater from Cary, North Carolina. I'm recovered but not cured. And I like to say that because uh, a, a dear friend of mine who was my Abby in OA um, says that. And, uh, you know, it was um, from this person that I actually received that spark um, after coming in and out of OA for a long time. Um, you know, there was there was something about the message that um that she carried, the um and the people that I became very close with in this group. Um, you know, and, and that was where I was experiencing uh, you know, that spark and, and Lisa um talked a lot about what what was really moving me. So um, you know, that spark, that passion, um, and to me that spark is simply God, you know, um, the, uh, the spiritual math, one plus one equals three, you know, when two people are gathered, you know, God is there when we're carrying that, uh, and that message and speaking that language of the heart. And that's why, you know, it's so important for me to continue, you know, this, this fellowship. I mean, that's the birth of the fellowship right there too, because we have this message and the message um, in this beautiful book is completely useless, you know, unless we're carrying it um, to someone else. Because I can certainly go to uh, 
to Barnes and Noble and I can buy this book and, and I can bring it back and I can read it and I can be moved by it and, and have all kinds of insights. And like most of the other things I do in my life, you know, if I'm just doing it for my own self-interest and I'm just doing it all by myself after a while, I get tired of the book and it served its purpose and I put it down and I move on and usually I'm looking for something else, you know, so, um, that spark, that passion, you know, that's ignited, you know, when two people are together, you know, that, that spark for me, I see it jumping from one to another and, you know, and it, it's God doing that. That's that power, you know, from this message that's in here that we are releasing through our own experience, our own passion, um, you know, and we're not coming up with our own original message. We're carrying the message, this, this book that's in here, the steps, um, you know, this, this spiritual program of recovery and of action. Uh, but we're doing that uh, in, in language that we have through our own experience. And, and I just love that part too. And uh, I, uh, I'm going to carry that message today because I don't want it to stop with me just like they didn't let it stop with them, you know, back in, uh, you know, in uh, Akron. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Rick J. Okay, next up is Ida A, and Ida will be followed by Stacy J. Good morning, Ida. Hey, good morning, Melissa. Good morning, everybody. Ida here, grateful compulsive overeater, usually from northern British Columbia. I am now in uh, Pennsylvania. But you all are coming in loud and clear, and the message that I'm getting today from the forward is shocking to me because back in the day, I'd never read a forward because really, come on now, that's not even a part of the book. And, um, and with willingness, I have connection in my life. That's extraordinary. This paragraph that years ago I missed is all about connection. This New York stockbroker has no business meeting this Akron physician that they meet. And they have no business meeting a Dr. Silkworth or Oxford group members, and they all meet, and they form these connections, and they're no longer in isolation. And I'm a me too. That's what's so cool about all of this. I'm a me too because with willingness, after the food is down, and all of you out there that are into the food, I get it. I was there for 50-some years. (laughs) But there is a wealth of information that has heart in this paragraph that I missed forever. And I I feel so blessed that I don't have to miss that today. And my mind is not so closed. And because of that, I no longer have to live in isolation because it was really never about the food anyway. It was numbing and and it was all those, uh, what do they say here? Um, All of the personality defects that I call character defects or, you know, little, little, uh, things that I need to change, whatever you call that, putting down the food is a gateway to enter into a club where love is, where connection is, where forgiveness is. And that is so much more powerful than any bite I could ever have. And so today I have an opportunity to join you fellows, and God bless you all. Thank you for being here and the part you play in my recovery. Love and blessings. I pass. 
Okay, thank you so much, Ida A. Next up is Stacy J, and Stacy will be followed by Leanne W. Good morning, Stacy. Good morning, Melissa. Thank you very much for your service. This is Stacy J, recovered food addict in Toronto, Canada. Um, it is such a great paragraph, and and the share so far has been so wonderful. Each time someone will say something, I'll be like, yes, that, that as well, absolutely. And so it's so nice to have a cumulative experience of this paragraph. Um, <clears throat> when when it was being read at first, I was taken to a few things. One. I wondered for years why I ate the way I did, and I had no insight into why I did that and why I hid wrappers under my bed from my teenage years and would be stealing food or stealing money from my mother's purse to get, uh, you know, junk food. And I was really, um, I acted when it told me to. When that inner compulsion told me to, I did what it said. And I, I didn't understand why. I just was completely at its mercy, and um, and then once when I was on the phone with this person who was describing to me, uh, he, he told me about OA, and he described how he was with food, and he didn't ask me anything about myself. He just told me his story, and the tears were streaming down my face because I'd never heard anyone describe what I did with food themselves, and I'd never seen anyone do what I did with food in that way, and and I think about this meeting between um, Bill W. and Dr. Bob and the feelings of, you know, oh, my God, this person gets it. That must have, the relief that Bob must, Dr. Bob must have felt in talking to Bill W., I just can't. It just must have been unbelievable, and it's, it's so wonderful. And then I look at the last part of this paragraph where um, it describes um, how I can maintain a recovered state. Um, I was uh, at a family gathering a few days ago, and it was such a beautiful celebration. And as far as we know now, I'm the only one who's like this in uh, in my family that's living now. And and you know, they put something on the table at the end of the meal that they were all digging into, and I don't eat that food. And what I thought to myself is, if I had that food, I at the next gathering I wouldn't come. You know, I. And then the next gathering, I wouldn't go. I would hide out and eat. And so for me to enjoy a family gathering and feel the gratitude and love of just sitting with the people I, I love and care about, I have to do moral inventory, confess personality defects, make restitution to those I've harmed, be helpful to others, and believe and connect with my higher power. I have to do all the things at the end of that paragraph in order to participate in um the wonderful relationships uh, that are available to me. And without doing those things, I can't, I can't be there. So I'm just so grateful to know that. And this paragraph has so much of my experience with that. Uh, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Stacey. Okay, next up is Leanne W. And Leanne will be followed by Kathy M. Good morning, Leanne. Good morning. Um, this is Leanne W., grateful, um, recovered, compulsive overeater, and I'm calling from Massachusetts. And the, the, there were two things that jumped out to me in these pages. The first is the word society and it being capitalized. And um, what really jumped out at me when I looked at that is there are several meanings or definitions for the word society, but um, 
the way that I see it is those with whom one has companionship. And when I think about that and what that means for me, it's, it just means that I'm not meant to walk through this life alone and that it's really, uh, from my recovery, it's really dependent on me um, sharing this message and working uh, with others as well as having a sponsor in this program someone that I, you know, that I trust, that I can go to, um, that can just be a guide for me. Because for me, when I look at the other parts, um, it's where it says the, the need for moral inventory, confession of personality defects, restitution to those homes, helpfulness to others, and the necessity of belief and dependence upon God. It's for so long my story has always been, I just, I want to lose weight. I want to lose weight. I want, that was just the focus of just, you know, I just want to lose weight. And once I lose weight, everything will be better. And that's not the message here. And the message never changes in a time where self-help books are always coming out with new and improved. This is not new and improved. I just, this is it. This is the, because it, you know, it's, it's perfect the way it is. And so for me, you know, it's to just, you know, continue to be helpful, to be continue to carry the message, the original message, which has not changed, and um, to be honest and to just trusting in a belief in dependence upon God. I mean, it's just as simple as that. And it's not about just losing the weight. The weight comes off. It's just about carrying the message. And I'm just so grateful to be here, and I'm so grateful that this program is not trying to improve the message because it's just the message is exactly as it should be. And uh, with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Oh, thank you so much, Leanne W. Next up is Kathy M. And then we'll be opening up for more people after Kathy. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning. I'm Kathy M. I'm a compulsive overeater with an eating disorder. I'm nothing close to recovery. This is my second meeting, my two out of, I'm trying to do the 90 and 90 days. And um, I'm only really sharing because I told myself that I would. The thing that, that stood out to me in the reading was the idea of there are certain things that you're not able to, that you wasn't able to accept. I don't have the text in front of me. Um, and for me, that's really super important that, um, I want to be able to get what I need in order to help myself uh, live a life that is some semblance of normal. And I can't let, like, oh, I don't like the the phrase of the word defect. I don't like the way that you talk about God. I don't like this. I don't like that. Like, I need to just kind of re- release some of that and uh, say, okay, well, that's not the way that I would say it but this is not you know we're not analyzing this as like a literary work this is a message that's supposed to help people Um, and someday maybe I could get to the place where I could help someone else but right now I just need to be able to um, get through a day without an episode so I'm really super grateful um, that this meeting was available and with that I'll pass Thank you so much for sharing, Kathy M., and and welcome for for the shares. (laughs) Um, Okay, so I'm going to remind everybody where we are. We are on page XV, the 
forward to the second edition, the third paragraph, the spark that was to flare. We were reading one paragraph only. And the line is open for those of you who have not shared on Friday or Monday. Katie from Boston. Larry K. Larry K. Leah S. Sam S. Sam S. Who was that? I heard a was it Chris? Chris B. Yes. Chris B. Okay. All right, so I've got Russ M, Katie G, Larry K, Leah S, Sam S, and Chris B. That looks great. Okay, Russ M, would you get us going? Good morning, Russ. Good morning, Melissa. Russ M, Recovered Compulsive Reader. Today with this reading, man, I'm on the cusp of just hitting like a wrestling promo. See, that's spark. See, when I came in, in in January 17, I was dim. Nothing could ignite me. I was dead. I had no life in me. Zero. Until somebody shared that message with me. And that spark ran through me like a lightning bolt. Changed my life before I even worked one step. The fellowship changed my life because they showed me God in a way I never, ever experienced in my life in 15 minute time that there was hope that I could be free that I could be meds of meds in the time half and half you know I'd be getting half normal half crazy because I'm never going to be 100% but there was hope that my life would be reclaimed I didn't know how it was going to happen I didn't know what I had to do but you know I pushed the poker chips in I was in and then you know how it was handed down is so beautiful I owe my life silky man i owe my life to this man because he figured my crazy ass out he figured me out when i read that doctor's opinion the scales came off my eyes that that's why i do what i don't want to do that's the reason why that's who i am you know i'm a gutter low wretched food drunk I'm i'm a junkie and I was okay with it because we finally figured it out. And then Bill and Dr. Bob and the first hundred, these men and women saved my life. My wife and kids could thank them if they, if, you know, it, it put me back on, on on solid ground. But I had to do the work. So that spark is still in me. And I got to stoke that spark every day by working with others, by working my 10, 11, and 12. By not bullshitting myself, excuse my language, and, and, and being accountable. So to any newcomer that's there, get with somebody and work these steps, and that spark will run through you and change your life. Sorry that I had, I had a little bit too much caffeine, but I love you guys. With that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Russ M. And next up is Katie G. And Katie will be followed by Larry K. Good morning, Katie. Hey, Melissa. Thanks for your service. Great meeting. Katie G. Recovered, compulsive overeater, anorexic, and bulimic. The line that keeps hitting me is the necessity of belief and dependence upon God. And I know that it's not or, 
right? We need to have both. But I just think of like, what has gotten me into trouble my whole life? Like, I'm sorry, it's very easy for me to sit here and say, I believe in you, God. 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 And, and it, it's been very easy my whole life to rely on my old ideas, to rely on the things that I think I know are right, to rely on my prejudice, to rely on all the solutions that, that I can find. But what is the what is different between belief and dependence? Well, in order to get there, right, I have to do a lot of work. First of all, I have to put the food, ingredients, and behaviors down entirely. I can't afford to rely on food anymore. I, it's just, it's not a luxury I can afford. And so I must put it all down because if I'm depending on anything, even if it is a quote unquote abstinent food that I'm overeating, whatever that means, I don't get it. It's very black and white. What it means is, is that I'm depending on that green bean to get me through the day and God can't work, right? And then I've got to have an entire psychic change. The way I'm living, my attitude, my ideas, everything has to shift to depend on God. And what does that mean for me today as a recovered woman? It means from the time that I get up, God willing, through the time that I go to bed, I am living to the best I can with God as much as I can. And I am, um, I'm getting up. I'm, I'm thinking about others. I'm thinking about the day. I'm asking God, God, where would you have me go? What would you have me do? What would you have me say and to whom? But I can't get there just by saying I believe in God, right? Like dependency on God is very easy to claim when life is going well. But can I be a, um, a parade for God, a celebration for God when life isn't going well, when, when they aren't doing what I want to do, when I'm stuck on 60 to 63, you're not doing what I want. You'd be happy if you did what I want. What is going on? Right? But dependence means whatever happens, God, where would you have me go? What would you have me do? What would you have me say and to whom? And it's not easy. I'm not sitting here as a recovered woman saying, for these 24 hours, I don't suffer from compulsive overeating, and that's just easy, because it's not. It's an unmerited gift, but what am I going to do with that gift today? Well, God willing, I'm going to stay entirely abstinent. God willing, when I fall short, when I fall short, I'm going to get reconnected. I'm going to ask God to remove it, discuss it with someone immediately, make amends, and then throw myself harder into helping others. So, you know, God willing, I can continue to have that shift from I believe in you, God, to God, you're my rock, you're my foundation, and with that I pass. Thank you so much, Katie J. Okay, next up is Larry K, and Larry will be followed by Leah S. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, Melissa. Thanks so much for your service. Um, Larry K recovered this morning. It, it says, you know, from the doctor, the broker had learned of the grave nature of alcoholism. This disease is deadly. You, you guys taught me that. <clears throat> we learned that it is permanent. It is progressive. It'll, it'll always get worse in an untreated condition. And it is fatal. And I've seen that. And I learned also that there were two deaths, really. There, you know, there was the, you know, the, the one death that we'll all experience. There's the, the last breath death. Uh, nobody gets out of this thing alive, right? Certainly that's a guarantee. But there was a, a far worse death. And I remember hearing a woman talk about that on this very line. So I'm stealing all her stuff, but it, boy, did it hit home for me. And that other death is the one that I experience uh, 
while I'm alive. You know, that I, that I suspect is far worse than the last breath that to be waking up each day as an untreated compulsive reader, there's nothing worse and feeling dead inside. You know, you feel like you're the walking, you know, the walking corpse. You feel like you're a zombie. Every day was like Groundhog Day. And you know, it, it fed the depression. They say that depression comes when one realizes, you know, that, that they're leading a life that no longer works, but you know no other options. There's no other options. And this is where the journey really begins for me was in the depths of my sorrow and the depths of my uh, pain. Pain was the greatest motivator because I was alive. I was showing up. I was, uh, you know, I was doing lots of things. I was teaching. I was, um, you know, as a profession, all these things. But I was dead inside and I was tethered to the food. And every day I, I, I just, I prayed and I got on my knees and I, and, I, and I wished upon a star. I wanted so much for that relief to stop eating myself to death. And I couldn't stop. And I couldn't think my way out of this thing. And, and I knew it was grave. And I knew it would eventually take my life. But I was, I was not a living, breathing human being living that life the way it was. And then we come along and we see in the midst of that pain, that we can take these, these steps and we can trust in the process. And then the journey begins, right? And, and, and feeling dead is perhaps the best thing that can happen to you when I reflect back because that was a great chance to make a change. This whole process is about change and reevaluate you know, what I've done in my life and, and what does God want me to be? What does this higher power want me to be? And take one step, one step, trudging with, with a Sherpa, that can take you up the mountain here and you could live this way of life imperfectly, imperfectly. I'm so grateful that I learned about the grave nature of this disease. With that, I pass. Thanks. Well, perfect timing, Larry Kay. Thank you so much. Uh, next up is Leah S. And Leah will be followed by Sam S. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much, everyone, who makes this meeting possible. This is uh, great. This is so great. It's, uh, my mouth is so full. Thank you, God. Thank you. But the great, grave, grave nature of this disease for Bill, but for me, and when my sponsor started learning this teaching and learning this textbook for me, I needed to identify this is me the grave nature. What is the grave nature? It's twofold. It is physical and mental. And if you want to, it is mental and physical. It is absolutely both. It is um, because every, every deed that I have done, whatever it is, whether it's a split second in, in advance, it first it first formulated in my mind. So whether I picked up and ate and stuffed my, my, my mouth and my nose full, whatever I did, you know, all that started in my mind. This book is all about the 12 steps and the fellowship. This meeting and other meetings give me support in order to continue doing these steps for my own sanity, for my own growth, for my own uh, uh uh, life, if you will, to go forward. And um, 
it is an absolute miracle, a real miracle each and every day. Thank you for letting me share. I pass. Okay, thank you so much, Leah S. Next up is Sam S., and Sam will be followed by Chris B. Good morning, Sam. Thank you, Melissa. Good morning. Um, good morning, everybody. My name is Sam S. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Bristol, Rhode Island. Yeah, I love that word spark. Um, and the idea of a spark, I was thinking about a spark to turn to flame. And so some people, you know, to, in order to get the spark to go to a flame, they blow on the spark, they fan it, you know, they throw a newspaper. If you're my dad, if you're Mike M, you pour lighter fluid all over it. <laughs> <laughs> and try to get it to go as, as high up as it can go. Now, I will never survive in the woods of New England. Um, <laughs> I just would never be a good scout, you know. But what about the wilderness of the disease? Um, and I got to tell you, I am surviving because I have um, the tool, you know. Like, I don't have to reinvent the wheel. I didn't have to figure out, you know, do I do steps one and then nine and then three and then eight? I had, you know, my, you know, Bill, Bill Wilson and um, in the first, uh, first hundred, like my grand, 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 grand times a thousand, you know, sponsors um, did this work and, and it worked. Um, and so I don't have to figure out how to get the spark to go to a flame. I don't have to figure out, to, how, I don't have to pour my own lighter fluid all over it. You know, um, I just, this is a tried and true method. And that's so awesome for me because I'm not, I don't, I'm not very creative. And, um, and then when I try to put my own spin on it, um, burn baby burn, you know, not in a good way. So I just work this program like my hair is on fire. That spark, someone who shared the message with me and then told me you got to work the steps and you got to find your own power. And then that's, that is what I did. I just took the steps to get there. And I'm so grateful. I love that image of a spark. It's just like perfect time of the year for it. And, um, and I'm just, I just trudge, I trudge. And now that I'm recovered, I can find somebody else's in the wilderness, and try to figure out, you know, like, let's, let's trudge together one through 12. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. We don't have to pour lighter fluid all over it. We don't have to blow on it. We just, let's just work the steps together. So really, really really glad and I'm also glad that I don't have to be in the physical woods today because I would die. <laughs> Thank you all. Thank you, Sam S. Okay. Um next up is Chris B. Good morning, Chris. Good morning. Thank you everyone for their service and grateful to be here. Chris B, compulsive reader. Grateful to be alive and powerless. St. Louis, Missouri. Um, I am just blessed, too blessed to be stressed here today, hearing everyone shares of this reading. My goodness, it just jumps off the page and and says yeah, I couldn't do this alone. Same thing I um, my sponsor told me after uh, a lot of uh, <laughs> my exertion of the will and uh, trying to require him and his services. Because I was the best sponsor seeker in history, a sponsor agent, if you will, wanted someone to do it my way. I think he was even my second edition. I wanted him as a double sponsor, <laughs> and um, I wasn't done with my story. 
and he got in, the, got in my face at risk of pissing me off and said, I can't do this alone. Do you have a sponsor? He saw I was suffering. He saw I was a drowning man. And, and he drove, shoot, about a half hour from the other part of town, that other part that I never really ventured into. Okay, picked me up as I uh, had to turn in my car. I had many, many relevant bedevilments. <laughs> I couldn't uh, afford a car. And we fellowship to a hike where we would go hang out. I couldn't say no to him any longer because I was calling him and asking him for help. I was asking him for a way out, a way through. Cause I, I couldn't say where I was. And um, that was five years ago. Good God. <laughs> Five years, I say this often, but the last five years seem like 50. In my perception of time, it feels like 50 years of life, including pain, including presence, including peace of mind over the obsession, I didn't do alone. And I remember the first thing thinking when he would take me somewhere in a car or like every day, we did a meeting every day, uh, 90 and 90. Um, I was like, how am I going to repay him gas? I, and I'd ask him that, and he'd say, you don't have to repay me. I'm not keeping you or retaining you as a sponsor or a group of cronies. I'm, I'm training you as a sponsor. I can't keep what I have unless I give it away for free. <laughs> There's just so much peace in that. I'm not paying him back in terms of gas or all these things my obsession came up with of reasons I can't follow this man. I can't find a solution on my own. I, my obsession would not go anywhere but the opposite. I'd run the opposite direction if I was close to the solution because it's too scary. And I'm just beyond grateful for a mantra he shared with me five years ago. Having an open mind, the set-aside prayer. God, please help me set aside everything I think I know about diet, weight loss, the program, paraphrase, <laughs> for an open mind and a new experience. Please help me see the truth of my situation. And he also said, thank you, I have enough. I have everything I need today to survive. Enough food, enough water, enough shelter, enough oxygen. And today I'm looking for enough spirituality, enough to be satisfied and I know I have enough right now with you all. I love you guys. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Chris B. Okay, we have time for, oh, geez, one or two more shares. So we're um, page XV, forward to the second edition, third paragraph. Spark was to flare. Who would like to share? Linda D. Okay. Linda D. and Jason K. Okay, let's see if we can... Squeeze you guys both in. Uh, maybe if you take, like, closer to two minutes, it would work better. So go for it, Linda D. Good morning, everybody. It's Linda D. from Connecticut, and so very grateful to be 37, 38 years in this program to have found a higher power, a higher power of my understanding, and it's today, and so what? What do I have to do? I have to surrender. I have to surrender to love, and it's real. And it's um, uh, given to me by people in the program, by people 
not in the program, people everywhere. And I give it back. And I'm alive. And I'm abstinent. And so very grateful to be recovered like six and a half years and chickless. Not a good image. Six and a half, six and a half years, period. And uh, wow, this is a program that I was sure wouldn't work because I didn't want to hear the word God, let alone Christian. It isn't any denomination. It's whatever God is for you, you'll find it here. Thanks. I pass. Okay, shorter than I thought. (laughs) All right, so Jason Kay, you've got three minutes, okay? And um, good morning, Jason. Uh, Good morning, Melissa. Good to hear you. Thanks for moderating. Jason Kay, recovered compulsive eater from outside of Philadelphia. Um, you know, and Bill's really talking about this, this fellowship that's grown up around um, his experience, his first experience, and then going out to Akron after about six months of sobriety uh, and talking with, with Dr. Bob. And we knew Dr. Bob was resistant to talking to Bill. He said, you know, I'll give that Yankee 15 minutes. And um, eventually they talked for hours and hours and hours, uh, you know, two, three, four hours, whatever it was. And, and, and this was the spark. They saw something. Uh, deep within each other, and um, you know, some people call this a big bang moment of of, of AA of the twelve steps. That this is the the creation of this thing. But what we're seeing is this confluence of events: is the information, the experience from Dr. Silkworth that he saw after he observed one alcoholic after another, seeing the chronic alcoholic, the real alcoholic, uh, as the physician saying there's a physical thing happening and 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 allergy happening, um, as Ebby brought in the spiritual uh, solution, uh, the need for a spiritual solution with the, with the Oxford group, there's this confluence of events, and, and, and Dr. Uh, Bob saw in Bill somebody who just drank like Dr. Bob drank. Uh, Bill didn't have to talk about Dr. Bob's drinking. Bill talked about how Bill felt, how Bill drank Bill's story, and Dr. Bob could, Dr. Bob could relate in. And um, I love studying the history and taking some time to learn the context of the big group and, uh, sorry, the context of the big book, um, how it was written, how they worked people through the steps in, in the first, uh, you know, the first early days. Uh, you know, this was intended to be worked through in a very quick fashion. And I love how Bill gives these little summaries of the steps. He says, you know, convinced of the need for moral inventory, confession of personality defects, restitution to those harms, helpfulness to others, the necessity of belief in and dependence upon God. That, that, those are our steps right there. They summarize them in a different way. And sometimes hearing those steps summarized in a different way, it, it releases something in my mind. It, it lets me understand more deeply what we're driving at. There's a bigger part of my heart than can say, yes, this is, this is, this is my life now. This is, these are the principles that I can practice in all my affairs. This is what I can bring to other people. Um, so this spark blew up into these groups, blew into these movements. It, it, it caught fire into, you know, Overeaters Anonymous. And we are here today because of this history. When we understand our history, we can appreciate what we have. Uh, we can take uh, good care of it. We can pass it forward um, with reverence. We can speak uh uh, try to understand the truth and the, 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 what we have here, try to understand it uh, fully and pass it forward and fan those flames. So um, with that, I'll pass. 
Thank you so much, Jason K. Jason was our last share for this for this part of the meeting. I want to thank everyone who shared and everybody who participated here. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for today's meeting, today being July 6th, 7 a.m., the Eastern Time Meeting, was 14926. That's 14926. And now, um, if we would have Lisa B. to read page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer, Lisa B. will read A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. 